0: This is 400 Plus, I'm Mark Sims. My guest is Akil Parker. Akil Parker is an educator from the great state of Pennsylvania. How are you, Professor Parker?
1: I'm doing great, I'm doing great, I'm doing great. I, I do, I cur- currently live in, in, in Pennsylvania. I currently live uh, down North Philly, as, as we say, uh, even though I was raised in, raised in Baltimore. But um, yeah, I've been in, I've been in Philly since 2003. After I graduated from from college at, at Morgan State University,
0: wait. So you so you left Baltimore after college? Yeah. Wow. So you uh, North now? I I I know parts of Philly, but North Philly is considered a hood. But some parts are trying to be gentrified, right?
1: Yeah, a lot of it's being gentrified. Well, actually, I mean it's, it's it's hoods in every part of Philly: South Philly, West Philly. Uh, you know, um, it's, it's hoods everywhere. But North Philly is kind of like the more. Um, more well-known well among the more well-known hoods and uh you know but it's definitely been gentrified heavily well, i like to call it settler colonialism well you
0: know, today is, w- so i say that again settler colonialism okay okay yeah, I, got, I got i got, I got i'm gonna tell you right now i gotta bring you back because you good i want to keep this podcast brief and bring, bring you back because you're a great talker we can maybe talk about sesame place or something else on another podcast yeah. <laughs>
1: but okay. so let me go yeah, right yeah. into it
0: uh why why are you an educator
1: well i'm I originally became an educator because, well, a couple of reasons. I, back in around 2004, 2005, I had a baby on the way who's now my um, almost 17-year-old son, Nassim, who also um, works as a math tutor within my company. Um, and I, ne- I needed a job because I had left my job with the FDIC, and I needed a job so I could support my child that was, that was coming. And um, I also, I wanted to play my part, and I didn't want to play my part in terms of contributing positively to the black community. And I didn't want to just be one of those elders that was just constantly complaining about the youth. I wanted to be an elder that was doing something to help influence the youth in positive ways. That's why I originally became an educator. And then once I got into it, I just, I really enjoyed it. And I I enjoyed doing the work and I just never, I never looked back. And it was kind of like a, it was almost like an accident, I I became um, an educator. But, you know, it was a happy accident, I like to say. And again, now I'm just, I'm just playing my part. And I think that, you know, education is, you know, like Malcolm X said, education is, you know, the passport you know, to, the, to the future. But um, I'm, I try to be more specific in terms of how we define education. And, you know, in the context of, you know, people like Dr. John Henry Clark, which stated that education should be um, the purpose of education should be to train children to be responsible handlers of power, as opposed to just people that are just able to just influence those that have power to just give them jobs. they can make money which they then in turn go turn around and spend it and give it right back to the people that are in power so that's what i that's what i try to do with with mathematics because i believe and have found from my own experience that mathematics understanding mathematics and training yourself in mathematics and being trained in mathematics help us to develop our critical thinking ability and with that critical thinking ability we'll be able to you know survive and and eventually thrive so that's that's, that's, I guess in a nutshell, why I'm an educator.
0: Well, I came across you on the internet and surfing the internet and you, and you had this term, this concept, you explained to us and to me, what is histomatics? Histomatics.
1: So histomatics is, is a framework that I've been working on and I decided to try to formalize, which is really just, you know, me continuing on and carrying on the tradition of our African ancestors in terms of how they provided meaningful education, you know, uh, where I'm I'm combining history with mathematics and I'm, I'm using history to teach mathematics and I'm also simultaneously using mathematics to teach history. So one of the things we do is like, for example, I might, you know, take a book, um, like, I don't know, um, the bluest eye by Toni Morrison. And, you know, I was, I actually, I, I read this book, um, a few years ago and while I was reading it, I decided to create math content and math word problems from, based on the, the content within the book. So that way, you know, you, you, you're you reading the book and you're trying to comprehend and understand the different themes and the concepts and the ideas in this, this text by Toni Morrison, but you're also uh, learning mathematics at the same time. Um, so it's like really killing two birds with one stone because I found that, you know, those are two of the major deficiencies that our young people have in our community. They're, they don't have, they lack historical awareness, um, they lack uh, a lot of political education, and they also lack mathematical competency. Really, you know, not, not even as much in the mathematical competency as they lack as the mathematical confidence, because they don't believe that they can excel in mathematics, and they don't even believe that they should excel in mathematics. So histomatics is meant to also show that, uh, you know, our, our ancestors have always excelled in mathematics. Our ancestors also created and developed mathematics. But at the same time, it's meant to place value and show value in in our African history, and our African heritage, because, you know, if you got young brothers and sisters that, you know, think, you know, when they think of Africa, they think of like, uh, you know, Trey's, you know, friend and boys in the hood that, you know, use the term African booty scratcher, then it's not gonna matter if you tell that tell that young person that, you know, their ancestors built pyramids and use math to build pyramids, because that actually might actually like, you know, alienate them more that might make them you know, less likely to even embrace mathematics. So, you know, they, you know a lot of people are like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to mess with that African stuff. You know, so we have to, we have to tap into, you know, their, uh, their ability to develop an appreciation for the continent, and for um, our history. Um, sometimes before we even start make, trying to make those connections. Um, but yeah, but histematics really just it combines history with mathematics in a very intentional way, and in a very meaningful way. And it's really about creating, creating content that is meant to teach history, but we teach history through using mathematics, and we're we also teaching mathematics through using history. Like we might take a book like uh, Walter Rodney's uh, How Europe Underdeveloped Africa and just go through that book and just create math content, create like, uh, you know, math, mathematical word problems throughout that entire book. So um, because when you're reading a math word problem, similar to the way you, one you might see on the SAT or the ACT, you have to think about the content and think about the information that you're reading and processing in order to create an equation that you then in turn can solve and then answer the question with it. So if we're talking about, if we're doing that with texts that a lot of people are unaware of, you know, um, unless you've like went to college and kind of studied that, or you had some elders or, or some old heads that put you onto that, that material. Then, you know, like, like I mentioned Walter Rodney, like a lot of, a lot of our people don't even know who Walter Rodney was and they should, but it's, I feel it's the responsibility of people like myself that do know who Walter Rodney is, To then let people let young people know who walter rodney was and i'm i'm attempting to use mathematics to kind of bridge that gap so take a book like as i said how europe underdeveloped africa go through the book pull out you know different different content um different percentages that he uses different quantities that he analyzed when he talks about you know what what the european nations actually did and like how much they actually stole and pillaged you know from the different nations you know throughout throughout the course of history on the continent and we create word problems. And, you know, so they're learning mathematics and they're learning the history and they're able to quantify our experience because it's one thing to say, yeah, these people were oppressing us and they took this and they did that. That's one thing. But then when you can, when you can really quantify it and provide a quantitative analysis and say specifically how much they did and how much they took and how much they stole and how many people they killed, It becomes a much more precise and deeper conversation that I think can help us to really fully understand the gravity and the magnitude of what actually happened, as opposed to only just having this kind of anecdotal understanding of, yeah, you know, these these people kind of really did us dirty, you know. Uh,
0: Let's talk about me, my favorite subject, uh, Professor Parker. I failed um, pre-algebra in 1977 and went on to drop out of high school <laughs> so i know math has stunted a lot of people's academic um uh, whatever growth or whatever it just stopped their whole career in an in in edu- education career so i mean so in your experience do, do this public schools? i'm talking to about the public schools um every school do they teach math in a visual way because i'm the kind of person if i can't really visualize it i don't get anything what do you think professor
1: so I think overall, I would say no, in many cases. I mean, you do have some some teachers that have been trained that way, um, maybe in their undergraduate pro, um, education programs, maybe they've been trained to teach it in a visual way, and in a more like tactile or hands-on way, but oftentimes, it's it's not taught that way, and it really, you know, it's unless you have a, a specific teacher that, like I said, has had that training, but I also, you know, I believe that, like, in terms of your, your situation, I think that that was not, you know, accidental. I mean, that, you know, there's a, there's a need for, there's a political necessity for black people to fail and not excel in mathematics because then, you know, you think about what we would qualify for within this society and what we would understand in the society. So it's really, uh, I always ask this question, like, QE Bono, this Latin, Latin phrase, you know, um, who benefits? So oftentimes when, when we see problems, we take a, and I've, I've been guilty of this in the past myself, but we take a self-centered approach. And if we say, well, this is a problem for me, we kind of superimpose that and think that it's a problem for everybody. And it kind of denies us an ability to perform a more valid analysis and think about who's benefiting from my problem. So if I, if we have a problem in the black community of, of black people failing in mathematics, failing at pre-algebra, and then you know dropping out of school and whatnot as a result, then we have to think about the flip side of that. Who benefits? and then those that benefit are in power, then they're going to want to maintain that condition and maintain that situation. So I think that largely public schools are not, um, effectively teaching mathematics, but I don't think it's accidental. And I don't think that it's an issue of the system being broken. I think that actually it's a function of the system working at a very high level of efficiency, because when you have people that cannot excel mathematically and that kind of has this kind of trickle-down effect. And then, you know, they may, like, also not excel in other courses as well. Because I don't know a lot of people that, you know, fail mathematics and do horrible in mathematics, but then they get straight A's and everything else. It may happen, but I, I think it's kind of rare. I think it tends to be – these people, these those type of students tend to be poor across the board usually. So – and what that does is that helps to maintain, you know, the status quo. Like, I always think about, you know, I've, I've done this – um I've, I've looked into this concept as part of his thematics of the like geometry of Malcolm X and the geometry of a lot of Malcolm X's speeches. Cause I'm, you know, I'm when I, as I, over the years, I've been studying a lot of Malcolm X and listening to his speeches. And I try to connect it with mathematics. And he has this one speech where he talks about this cycle, right? And he talks about how living in a poor community, then as a result of living in a poor community, then you end up attending poor schools with uh, low quality education. And then because of the low quality education, you graduate out of these schools or matriculate through these schools. And then you only qualify for uh, low paying jobs. And then as a result of only qualifying for the low paying jobs, then you end up living still as an adult, once you were a child in the same type of community you were living in as a child, which was a poor community. So it helps to maintain the status quo. And there's this like circle. It's a a cyclical circle. That's why I call it the geometry of, of Malcolm X, because it deals with a circle. Right. So, that's beneficial. Many people, many entities and corporations and government entities will benefit from the maintenance of that status quo. Right. So then therefore the school has to ensure that people are not really learning mathematics because once people do start really learning mathematics, then the whole status quo, the whole structure gets shaken. And then a lot of people start, uh, you know, they, you know, so now, now, I mean, a lot of people are going to have to start competing fairly because you know, the, people in the suburbs that are getting, uh, you know, more education and uh, more quality education at earlier periods in their lives. Um, and the people that may go to some of the private schools and and whatnot. Now they got actually, they got actually compete now because now the game is not rigged anymore. And they know it's it's all these black kids in the hood and in the inner city. Now they understand mathematics and higher level mathematics. So now, well, we, we can qualify for the same jobs that you can qualify for. And not only that, because of our critical thinking ability that has been developed from, you know, digging into mathematics and understanding it from an early from at an early stage. Now we can understand what's going on. So now we start to challenge things that have been kind of like uh, mainstays in the community, in the society for so long, we can actually challenge them because we actually recognize that they're a problem. Whereas before, because we didn't have the critical thinking ability, we didn't even think this was a problem. We just thought that this is just how things are and how they're supposed to be. And we even might've thought that they were fair when they were very unfair.
0: Well, Professor Parker, I have to bring you back on the show to talk about uh, education, crime in, in cities like Chicago, Philadelphia, and even small towns and suburbs where black folks just shoot, kill each other and commit crime. We got to stop it and we can stop it. I want to bring you back the, for another discussion, but I want to thank you first for being on 400 plus and uh, Professor Kill Parker, will you leave us a little wisdom and knowledge, inspiration for educators and students uh, how can we approach this math? We can pass these classes and use this math we're we'll learning for our, our critical thinking skills.
1: So, one thing I would say in terms of that is that I think we have to take a homeschool approach or a homeschooler approach, even if you don't homeschool your children technically. But we have to take a homeschool approach where, I, and I like to think of it as like a hybrid homeschool model, whereas we reorient ourselves to change the position in terms of how we view schools and how we view how we view and utilize the public schools and the charter schools and even the, even the private schools whereas now it's pretty much accepted that the school is going to be the primary educator of our children and if homework is sent home then we may as parents or elders or you know those in our you know in the in the um, in the community of the children will help with the homework but we have to reorient ourselves and the community, the household, the parents, the elders, the grandparents, the uncles, the aunts, the big cousins, everybody, the old head on the block, they, we have to become the primary educators. And then when the children go to school, the school has to become a space of practice as opposed to the home being the space of practice and the school being the primary educational space. Similar to with sports. Young children go to school. They get on sports teams in school. They don't learn how to play the sport in school. They learn how to play a sport in their neighborhood, in their community. At the rec center, you know, in their, you know, in their, on their block in the alley, wherever. Then they go to school to practice and hone their skills and compete with other people from other areas to just become better. That's how we have to start to look at, it. and even some of, the, some of the, some of the, some of the, you know, kind of negative activities, um, you know, young people going to high school, gambling, playing cards, rolling dice in the bathroom, cutting class, and all that. A lot of times, they're not learning that in school; they learn that in their neighborhood, and then they bring it to the school and develop their skill set. So with with the formal education and the academics, we have to apply the same type of model. Whereas we, as the as a community, as parents, as as elders, or whoever, we have to be able to decide among ourselves that we will take the responsibility of teaching our children these things. And what that's going to mean is we're going to it's going to have to represent a paradigm shift, where parents and adults that you know may have been poor at math thirty years ago, forty years ago, twenty years ago, we're going to have to go get on, hop on YouTube, and you can go to my YouTube channel. All this math, you know, you. Type go to YouTube, type in all this math, right? And you're going to have to watch some of these videos and some of this video content and learn this content so that you can then take ownership of your child's education, even if they're in high school. Because high school students need just as much support as first graders and kindergartners. So even if they're in high school, you know, even if they're in, in middle school, in eighth grade, and you feel like, well, you know, I'm, I don't understand that level of math. You know, I can help you up to fourth grade or up to third grade. I can help you, you know, with you know, adding fractions a little bit. But even with the algebra, even with the geometry, even with the trigonometry, our young people need, need our support. So that's what, we, that's what we're going to have to do. And I know I speak from a space of privilege because I'm a, a math teacher and a math professor, so I don't have the anxiety that a lot of, uh, a lot of black parents feel when they you know, think about helping their children with math. But that's why I created the YouTube channel because that channel is really for, it's also not only for the students, but it's also for parents. because There's a lot of math content out there on YouTube, but most of it is geared just toward the students. It's not even about trying to provide support for the parents so that the parents can be able to help their children. And that's what I want. I want in terms of building our community and um, helping to develop our community, I want black parents to be able to say, okay, I can go to this channel and I can, fi- I can find out how to do this math so I can help my child, my son or my daughter with their homework. Even if it's trigonometry, even if it's pre-calculus, even if it's algebra two, even if it's algebra one, even if it's something that I didn't understand when I saw it 30 years ago or something that I never saw before. I can help them with it. So I think that's what we have to do. We have to reorient, reorient ourselves, become the primary educators. And this, and I'm, and I'm providing tools also. because a lot of times people are critical. People are critical. That's my son Kwame in the background. Um, hold on Kwame. People are very critical of black parents and what they're not doing. But I believe that black parents would do more if there were viable resources available to them. So that's why I created this YouTube channel as well. So to be the, it'll be a viable resource that they can use so that we can really make some, actually make some changes in our community instead of uh, kind of just talking about the changes that need to be made.